0: I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Founder of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co., I'm the UK Ambassador of Creative Small Businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life, and my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice inspiration, wisdom, and encouragement. And in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favorite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs, and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where
0: we If going, you've enjoyed listening do you do to our live episodes with Levi Roots You'll and Thomasina Myers, then what are you waiting for? The last few tickets for our podcast live event at Manchester Cathedral on the 17th of July are available. And I'm thrilled to say that it's the founder of Lush, the brilliant Mark Constantine, who will be joining me. Tickets for Birmingham in November are also on sale and very soon I'll be announcing dates for Newcastle and Edinburgh. The evening in Manchester will include a speech from me, a chance to ask questions, wonderful entertainment, magical Holly & Co. details and fantastic opportunity to shop small business, drink a delicious tipple or two and mingle with like-minded people as much to hear the story of Lush. I will ensure you will be thoroughly and utterly inspired because I believe that one conversation has the ability to change the course of your life forever and I want it to be mine. So don't delay. Get your ticket to Conversations of Inspiration, the podcast live in partnership with NatWest. We'll only be recording four more live episodes this year. So make sure you don't miss out. Head to holly.co to get your ticket today. This week on Conversations of Inspiration, I'm speaking to Tina Bernstein, founder of Mapology Guides. Designer, blogger and entrepreneur, Tina started her creative career studying at the renowned art school Central St Martins. However, after suffering from a nervous breakdown at 26, Tina moved into the world of psychology She discovered the lack of colour, design and illustration after reading everything on self-help, so decided to create her own guides to help others. Mapology Guides was born as a tool to empower individuals to adopt their own approach to mindfulness, well-being, and personal development. I fell in love with Tina's maps after stocking them at Holly & Co workshop and it was such a joy to finally meet the brains behind the product when she popped into the office. We spoke about her entrepreneurial journey, how she used her struggles with mental health to help empower others and how she now lives a good life through founding her business. A conversation I know you will all love because it shows us whatever we go through, our dreams, our businesses can be the tool we need to get through anything. Hi, Tina. It's so wonderful to finally meet you. I've really loved your work since you sent in your beautiful maps to us at Holly & Co. workshop. From the moment we opened your incredible packaging, we knew we had to stock you and had to get to know you better outside of Instagram. So it is a joy to have you at the Holly & Co. workshop here in Twickenham today.
1: Welcome. Thank you so, so much. I feel truly humbled. I feel honoured. And I'm going to put it out there. And I'm nervous. I just couldn't believe that you asked me to be on your podcast. I'm so happy to be here. I loved you from a long time ago. I've been following you for a long time, Aww. obviously, since not on the high street. And coming in here is just always so joyful. It's colourful. It's joyful. It's life-affirming. It's everything.
0: Wow, That's such a nice start. Well, listen, let's talk about you now. You said that let's do a two way thing. And I said to Tina, no, this is just all going to be about you, Tina. You're going to have to get comfortable about this. Being the queen of maps, I wonder if we start by you mapping out your journey so far. You were born in Germany, but you moved to the UK when you were 15.
1: Yes, I was born in Frankfurt in Germany. And I did not have a good childhood, uh, which I'm always honest about. In fact, I was very, very unhappy. And by sheer luck, I knew somebody who had gone to a boarding school in the UK. And being of Jewish origin, there was only one Jewish boarding school in the whole of Europe. So one day I was talking to her and I was so unhappy. And she said, well, why don't you ask your parents whether you can go? And I somehow plucked up courage. And I still don't know how... I managed to persuade them to send me, but they did. And I was just so happy. And as soon as I came to the UK, I changed immediately. In fact, I didn't speak a word of English. Well, you know, just hello, I'm Tina. But I started dreaming in English the first night. It was just really incredible. It was just like I was meant to be here. And so you did that. So you came over to boarding school, what, when you were 15? When I was 15, Right, Okay, and started the
0: English school system Yes, quite a big deal right at that age to come to a new country
1: but maybe you were almost referring there it was quite a fresh start for you oh yeah totally and in fact it happened within two or three months so I didn't have time to think about it I knew I couldn't survive staying there Um, it was an adventure and I was terrified but I the great thing about being young is you are kind of fearless
0: And your parents were desperate though for you to go to Oxford or Cambridge but you had a wonderful teacher who suggested you went to art school so tell me about so you've moved over now to the UK you've gone to boarding school you had high expectations from your parents put on yourself.
1: Totally. And I suppose because I was always talented in languages. So they thought, oh, French or English or something at Oxford University or maybe Cambridge. And I suppose that was the goal. But then I met this art teacher and he said, you you know, you're quite creatively talented. Have you ever thought about going to art college? And I said, no. So that was a different journey. And again, I'm not quite sure how I persuaded my parents. I actually don't remember those things that vividly. I think I was quite forceful. And I remember finding some student digs in King's Cross and getting myself into St. Martins and then just ringing up my parents and saying, in September, I'm starting this art college and I've got these student digs. And I think they just didn't know what to say. And you just went for it? I just went for it, yeah, and somehow they allowed it. Don't forget, I mean, I lived off them at 15. Well, by that time I was 18, I I didn't have my own money. So they they somehow said yes, and, and I stayed forever. Thinking about it, you were very lucky that you had that teacher
0: sort of guiding you and guiding your passion. On last week's podcast, we had Fern Cotton and she spoke about how she had teachers trying to squash her dreams of presenting and trying to get her to go down a more conventional path. But she had that strong gut instinct, which she listened to. One of my missions with Holly & Co is to try and inspire children to follow their passions, to take the path less trodden, inspire entrepreneurship in our young and it's so important because if we
1: hadn't have had your teacher you might never have ended up where you are today I would have never ended up here because what he actually said to me was you need a portfolio I had no clue about art I'd never done art before Mm -hmm. he said you're gonna have to have a portfolio so I want you to come back early back from holiday And come into the art studio and I will help you to create a portfolio. And I had to work really, really hard to create a sort of full portfolio to be able to submit to art college. So he was just the most incredible man. And not any art college. So I can only actually imagine what your portfolio must have been like to be accepted. Well, actually... The honest truth is, I don't think it was strong enough, but I was always gobby. And I think I managed to show them in the interview that don't just go for a polished diamond. I am rough in the making you know why wouldn't you have somebody like me and I think I just bamboozled them there were five men in the room and little me um and I remember in those days I think there were 70 spaces out of a few thousand and you couldn't uh, pay your way into it like you can these days and I just I was surprised but I got in So you got into
0: your dream university, Central St. Martins, which is one of the top art schools in London, with alumni such as Alexander McQueen, Stella McCartney, Catherine Hamlet, Jarvis Cocker, the list goes on. What was it like studying there, and was it a happy time for
1: you? To be honest, I had mixed feeling about it. I mean, I was very proud that I got in, but actually, I had done my foundation course at Central School of Art, which was in Holborn. And Central School of Art had a library, and I was always a conceptual designer. So I was a creative thinker. So if I had a brief or something, I would rush to the library and I would research and I would look at things and I would study and I, you know I would make a plan and then and then do it. San Martin's, the studying was not quite what I expected. It was for cool kids. I was not cool.
0: You know, mm. we had people
1: like Kellogg's come in and say, you've got two hours. Can you redesign a package? And, you know, there they would be whacking, you know, putting some cranes on. And and I was thinking, right, concept, concept. OK, I need and I had no time. So mm. actually, I wasn't that good. I wasn't that happy. And if truth be told, I just about scraped through because I decided last minute to really study very hard to, to get a pass. And I did, and that's fine. Mm. But I knew very early on that nobody would ever ask me, and nobody has ever asked me for grades or anything else. So let, really? this be, <laughs> let this be said. I'm sorry, I know you're a mother to a teenager, but actually, I worry about the youngsters taking grades so seriously. It is really not the uh, all and be all. In fact, a lot of founders you will see actually bypassed university, it's about life experiences. Mm. And don't we wish it was as much as that you have the
0: grades all written down, you know, I've, the, the thousands of CVs I've been through in my career. And actually, right next to it should be the yin to the yang. You know, what is that other thing that you can bring that is equivalent to your grade B? What life experience have you, have you had? And it's crazy, isn't it? So I, I want to talk to you more about that.
1: Then you left art school. What did you do after that time? I went through a difficult time afterwards because I couldn't quite find my place. It was just before the European Union came together and I had all these plans to help out. I spoke lots of different languages. I was well-traveled, and I wanted to sort of work for design agencies to kind of help bring Europe together and do some work around this. And I remember I wrote 28 letters to the top agencies, introducing myself, offering myself, you know, my services and whatever. I probably got 26 letters back saying, we love what you're doing, we love what you're offering, but we are not ready. You're sort of ahead of your time. I just couldn't... Find a job. I just couldn't find what I really um, wanted to do. But then, luckily enough, I actually, uh, somebody came to my uh, degree show and he used to work, I think, for Coca Cola and he had a, a business partner in Belgium. They were doing pharmaceutical products. And he sort of poached me and said, we've got this pharmaceutical product. It's sort of vitamins for different age groups, different genders, different this. And I'd like you to work for me. So my first job was sort of in Cadogan Gardens in uh, Knightsbridge. And uh, I sort of started signing checks for sort of a few hundred thousand pounds and this and that. And we then translated it. And I had to employ photographers. So it was a bit of a strange start for me. I have to be honest.
0: And... Then from that point, at 26, a young age, you had a nervous breakdown. If you don't mind me asking, what was that time like in your life?
1: At that time, so after I had that job, I actually courted uh, some consultant that was working, I think, for an advertising agency called Michael Peters. And they were advertising for jobs in Amsterdam. And I thought... I just need a foot in. So I phoned up and I said, I'd like to come for an interview. He said to me, look, there's nothing going at the moment, but call me every Friday afternoon at five o'clock. And I think I did for about three months. And after three months, he said, look, I know this guy, he's got this business in the King's Road, and it's about a modular design product. And they want to get into Europe, and they need somebody to sort of go out and find agents, etc. Why don't you go and have a talk to him and I did and I got the gig and I flew around everywhere and I sort of found agents I was never trained in those things I was always uh yeah I was always in the deep end but I actually enjoyed it tremendously because I was just finding my way and I had good work, uh, work ethics but then as I was you know and then I had relationships long-term relationships and and, and also long-distance relationships And my past started to catch up with me, and that is what happens, unfortunately. So I refer it, you can build a platinum roof, but if you haven't got solid foundations in your house, it'll come tumbling down. And that is exactly what happened, somebody like me, because I was flying, but actually I had no foundations whatsoever, so I was flying in the air, and there was no landing space for me. And so this was
0: this must have been, at a young age of 26, incredibly difficult for you. How
1: did you manage to build your way out of that time? It was traumatic. Uh, I, had, I, I developed claustrophobia, I developed agoraphobia, I developed anxiety and panic disorder and panic attacks, and I got the full gamut. And I was living on my own. I had no support. It was pre-internet. I didn't know, and everyone I knew was a high jet flyer like me. You know, we were Mm -hmm. jet-setting around. And so I felt shame. uh, I felt lost. uh, I felt very, very isolated. And I, by chance, uh, met this young woman who talked to me about therapy. I had no idea. I was as green as they come. I was very worldly in some ways. But I had no understanding about self-love, self-compassion who I was, what I wanted. It was all about other people and just being great. I mean, I was great. I was a great young woman in many, many ways. Um, So that was very, very hard for me. And then I started this long journey of psychotherapy. I was incredibly lucky to have met the most incredible therapist that I stayed with for 10 long years. And within that time, I also did five years of group therapy, which I highly recommend. They're tough times. You are in your mid twenties, you know, you had a boyfriend in Paris, you you thought you might get married, you you know, all of that stuff. You were affluent, you were flying around, the world was your oyster, and you were kind of housebound. I think it was the shock of those extremes that made it so difficult. It wasn't sort of a smooth transition. It was one day I was in Saint Tropez and the next day I was sort of housebound. And if you said to me, Go on a plane, I, I would have had a massive panic attack. Gosh,
0: I'm I'm sorry that you've had that in your life. But, you know, I know that you're here today, the woman you are, because you have had the life that you've had. And so tell me about this then. So this experience in a way, or that what you've been through, how it developed you as a person, led you to start your business idea. Did you have a light bulb moment Or was it years in the making and it was always simmering?
1: It was definitely not a eureka moment. It was in the making for years. It took me many years to build up confidence again because I was very confident. And then I lost it all. And you have to build that up again. And so I was dabbling in so many things. I promised myself one day that I'll write down what I did in those years when I really couldn't work the same way I used to work before. So, you know, my career was gone in that way. But I did so many things to help myself. But the truth is, it was just hard to get back into things. And then I remember, I think it was 1999, I was in some conference. I was always very, very curious I was always reading a lot. I was always looking what's what's go, you know what's going on in the world but I knew I couldn't do that. So it was very frustrating for me at that time. But I remember going to some conference about coaching. There was this woman who brought coaching from the States to London or to the UK. It was really early infancy. And they had a few coaches where those coaches wanted to practice. So I got myself a coach. I don't think it cost me very much in those days. And I was talking about things. And she goes, well, you know, you did this, you did that, you did, you know, have you ever thought about being a business consultant? And I thought, well, I don't have a degree in this, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And she goes, you've been doing this all your life. So then I just thought, okay, well, I can start, I, I'm a graphic designer, I can do a bit of graphic design, I can do a bit of business consultancy, I got myself clients, I was on retainer. And I realized very early on, I read this book, and I can't remember now, somebody called Max Comfort, about portfolio people. I've realized that you can actually have multiple income streams. I think in those days, that was not a thing. And what I hated most about everything is go to a dinner party and saying, so what do you do? Because unless you were a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or anything like that, they just thought I was some sort of vagabond, you know, sort of lady that lunches, you know, potting around a bit. I felt such shame. Of course, now people like me... very sought after Mm. you know I'm living great times at the moment Mm. it is what Mm. I did for the past 30 years or or however long um so now the world's caught up the world is caught up I think if you say "Not, I'm an accountant but if you say I'm this and that and they're thinking oh have you been that all your life well we know that people don't now have one job for their lifetime so then how did you then
0: take that experience into creating your business
1: well, I'm a designer. I'm a business consultant. I also found myself in a uh, maybe, I don't know whether it's common or not. I found it not common. I'm as much a designer as I'm as a businesswoman. And you'll find designers are not necessarily good at business. And business people are not necessarily good at design. And so it took me many years to understand what could I possibly do to marry the yeah. two. Yeah. That took me years. And I've had coaches and people saying, well, you could do this, you could do that. But I just know myself. You know, when you go to therapy, you really get to know yourself. So I know what's right and what isn't right. I wanted something that gave me variety. I wanted something where I can impart my knowledge and wisdom that I'd build up over years, both in, you know, in business, in psychotherapy, and all of those things. And I wanted something that I would be proud of and that I could serve people. It's very important to me to serve people. I see myself as a servant in mm-hmm. this life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not It's not about taking, it's about serving. So that was very important to me. You know, I looked around and I saw, you know, what's going on with younger people. I have read most self-help books that are out there. I have a full (laughs) library and I love them all. But what I was missing myself when I went through all this therapy, there was no color. There was no mind maps. There was no illustration. It was just words. Now, not everybody does well with words. Mm, So... Then we have... Of, a lot of the right side of the brain exactly, is out there. Exactly, Not being catered for. A lot of people do well with visual learning. Mm. Then we have to think, I mean, does everybody read a whole book? I don't know. It's now more about bite size, you know. And I know from therapy that sometimes I would go along, you know, in my long-term therapy for six months, and you'd come out and go, I've just spent six quid. What was that all about? I could have told my friend about what happened last week nothing happens and you Mm. just get despondent but then one day you sit there and the penny drops and something shifts and you get it Mm. so you need tenacity and you need to believe in it and that's why I still believe in long-term therapy which is not so sexy at the moment but there is a point to all of this and at the moment it's all about having it all at any time 24 7 It's not quite how deep learning happens because I believe if you read something and I hope podcasts help that as well you you're not going to act on it immediately but it sows a seed doesn't it it just sows a seed so you listen to something then three months later you might connect the dots and that is why it took me so long to come up with my apology guides it took me a long time to connect all the dots. So thinking
0: about it, you combined your two passions to create such a unique business built from your passions of design, plus this understanding of well-being, understanding of the mind therapy, with your strong purpose, as you say, to help others to be that servant. And it's such a unique business. And what I really hope people who are listening understands is you know, your business is like your DNA, you know, and the more you can make a business literally have unique DNA, it's a very commercial and strong business sense, you know, to have that. And that's exactly what you've done. And I'd love to talk more about your amazing maps. For anyone listening, these are incredible, colourful, folding, beautifully designed maps, all illustrated by different designers, which include some essential life skills to business skills, where we all sometimes need a little help on. The themes of the Mapology guides include what's bugging you, let's negotiate, make it happen, make better decisions, how to grow your no, I need that one, And all helping you step by step through life. So thinking about it, you're a cartographer of emotions and I'm a little obsessed with maps generally. And you're well, we're so lucky to stock them. And I know that they are a thing of beauty. What has been your feedback on the products? Have you got lovely stories from who they've actually
1: helped? I do. But can I pinch the cartographer of passion? yes oh no of emotions I'm sorry it's a cartographer cartographer of 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 emotions emotions. I love that thank you yes that's a Uh, a good line it's a fantastic line (laughs) it's a brilliant line you'll be seeing this more I was just gonna say you should be paid for that (laughs) amazing Um, I've had loads of feedback which of course is the essence of why I do what I do every time you get an email to say We've used your maps in a workshop. I've used them with kids. I've used them. Psychologists use them. Coaches use them. Individuals use them. It just blows my mind every single time. It is... I know they're educational. I know... They stimulate debate and ideas. So I'm a creative thinker. That's what I want. I smuggle in psychology, but I want them to be fun. It's about fun. It's about sitting together or sitting on your own, whether you're in a bus, reading something, looking at a picture. It evokes emotion in you and maybe empowers you to just think differently about something. And I call it, the reason I call them maps is because my aim and mission is to get people to go from A to B. That Mm -hmm. is all that a mapology guide will ever do. I'm not here to say I'm changing your life. Mm -hmm. I couldn't possibly on an A2 sheet of paper change anyone's life. But I know they're very powerful. But it definitely can help you to go from A to B. And what you do afterwards is up to you. But I'd like to be the one to open people's eyes, to give them awareness, to have maybe an aha moment of, oh, I do that. Maybe I could find out how not to do that. Mm. That is what I want. So it's, it's a small seed, but seeds can grow. Can't they? Can't they? I'd love to talk to you about the actual
0: process of creating your maps from the idea to conception. You specifically didn't want to take investment, so you self funded with £2,300. How did you take your idea from creation to being stocked now in many
1: high street shops? So when I came up with the idea, I went to a dear friend of mine called Mike and said, Mike, I've got this idea. I would like a business partner do you want to do it? He is a designer and artist, and he said, yes, thankfully for me. And we both embarked on understanding how to illustrate emotions in that way. It's very hard. So it actually took a long time. And I always say I couldn't be where I am without uh, Mike, who no longer is my business partner, but we're great friends and uh, we split very amicably, which I'm incredibly proud of, by the way. And I could never, ever do them without my teams. I am nothing without my creative teams, absolutely nothing But the guides could never, ever exist without me. And that's the beauty of them. The process is incredibly complex, but incredibly satisfying. I know that people who work on it love it. There is a process. So when I invite somebody to do a map, I have to meet them. I have to see whether they understand the subject of self-development, what they're like in their own life. It's very important to me. And uh, the same goes for writers and illustrators. If I agree to uh, then uh, commission them, then we have a a one-day brainstorming session at Mapology Guide HQ, which is my home, (laughs) and it literally is from nine to six. There is lots of food, lots of (laughs) laughter, tons of books, tons of visuals to look at, and we literally unpack the theme and then repack it. And it took me many years... To get to this stage, I am now comfortable and understand it fully, but I didn't uh, in the beginning. I can imagine. it, It took a while. And when we launched, actually, we decided to try out different subjects. My heart was in self-help. My ex-business partner's uh, heart was to try different things. So we said, okay, we'll do a a guide on pets. We do a guide on gift uh, giving. And, you know, you work in a room and especially if you're designers and creative thinkers and you think your idea is great, you are convinced (laughs) it's fantastic. I mean, how can it not be? You know, you created it. (laughs) You've got great illustrators. You've got great writers. You've got a great concept. You've got a great idea. And you're like gang ho and you're like, right we need to order thousands because they're just going to fly off, you know? And I'm a great fan of somebody called Seth Godin. And he always says, just ship and then worry about tweaking. Because I think some of the problems with people not starting businesses is we all want to do things perfectly we do. before we push the button. And I learned over the years that I just have to get it out there and then collect feedback. Well, two of the maps flopped, and the self-help one flew out and, I realized I'm, I was onto the right thing. But the problem was I only had one map. So I pulled it off and regrouped and didn't launch till, again till I had two further maps to make it a series. But I'm forever grateful about this. And you asked me about shops. I went to Magma, and they said, well, you need a sticker kind of thing. You need to tell me, you know, you have a title, but I actually don't know what it is. It was such a new concept that... yes. It it was you I had a no benchmark, uh, yeah. yes. But also for me, I had I couldn't copy anyone. Yeah. So when you can't copy somebody, it's actually quite hard, um, and it is hard to educate people, which is a challenge we still have. And then I I think I phoned up the Tate Modern and um, and sort of asked her for feedback, and she was very kind to give it to me and said, "Well, I don't get it in in two seconds, so my punters won't get it in two seconds." So I understood I have to pull it away you know, do some more learning, do some understanding, create two further maps and then go out again. And that's what happened sort of in July 16 um, when we properly launched Gosh. and I went to shops. And I'm gobby, I just went to foils. And thank God, I love foils, and thank God they just give you a punt. I, I went to the Welcome Collection and they bought them. And I will always be, forever be grateful to them for just helping young entrepreneurs well I'm not young but I you know young entrepreneur Mm. and give them a leg up and just go do you know what yes I mean the Wellcome Collection one of my favorite jobs so you you talk about being gobby but let's move on from just being gobby papersmiths
0: foils school of life Holly and Co of course how did you first make it
1: happen and do you have any advice on that subject It is a little bit about uh, having the courage and, and being a little bit gobby and just knocking on doors. I decided strategically, because nobody knew what my apology guide was, I thought if I can then do it backwards, if I go to all those shops that people know... People to go for the best
0: first, right? Yes, I so mean, because to, 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 you looked at if you got
1: stocked in great places, the yes. next stockist will go. Oh, she's stocked there. Yes, so that was a st- strategy that I had. You know, there's a bit of luck. Uh, there's obviously hard work. The product was good. Then lovely Emily Rushton, who was edited at large in Psychologies Magazine, featured me, you know, just this little snip. That really started the ball rolling. So you have to have a bit of luck. But I, you know, I was on Instagram there and I was following her for a long time and I was commenting. And, you know, you've got to put yourself out there. Nothing is going to happen if you sit at home with a shut door. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of everything. But you have to make opportunities happen. Just do baby steps. All I do all the time is baby steps. Mm. Yeah, it's such a good point. Just start. Just start. start I am such an advocate of that. Just start. And you specifically only wanted to invest 2,300. What was the reason behind this? Well, I didn't specifically want to invest 2,300, but I wanted to bootstrap it. So bootstrapping means you don't look for investment. I've not wanted ever to have a startup a conventional startup i don't ever wanted a big office with people Uh, just wasn't what i wanted to do and i understood that i could do it differently but i wanted to bootstrap it it was really important to me to show also younger people that you know instead of just going on holiday or 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 sort of sorry pissing away um money (laughs) um you could actually put something aside have a side hustle and invest and just see where it goes. Because if I would have lost the money, it wouldn't have been a problem. So mm. we invested each, actually, £2,300. And uh, it grew from there. I've never taken investment. And I don't plan to at the moment. Uh, never say never, but I don't plan to at all. And so a lot of the money I make goes back into creating new guides. And that is how I build the business. And I'm launching the 10th map at the end of this month. And I'm very proud of it. And it is a bit of a milestone for me.
0: Oh. I think that's why it's such an exciting time, really, to be alive. We're living in this time where everyone can start a small business everyone can be an entrepreneur if you choose there is such little startup cost today you know if i think back to 2006 when we started not on the high street it was nearly impossible to create a business without investment i mean really impossible especially as we we were building a tech p- company but now you can just use squarespace or wix to create a website with marketing that can be free through through social media and it really is magical And I've heard you talk about how you only want to stay small. You founded your business with that intention. Can you talk to me about that? Because I think it's a really important thing to understand what you want before you start your business. And I think it's something that we don't all do. You need to stop and think and say, what do I want to build here?
1: The first thing I would say is I started my apology guide as a 50th birthday present to myself. So we must not underestimate that I was 50. I think when you're 20, when you're 30, there's much more ego, there's much more drive, there's much more peer pressure, there's much more all of those things. I didn't have all that. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. you turn 40 as a woman, you, don't, you end up giving a shit. I don't give a shit about most things or what people think now. So when I turned 50 and started it, I started it on my own terms. Mm-hmm. I love my freedom. And you know a little bit now about my lifestyle, you know, I had therapy, I eat in a certain way, I need to do my own thing. And I had 15 years of therapy, you know, lots of experience in in, in life, in, in business. Of course, I was more ready to start something. But I say to young people, you don't have to consider it. But don't be hung up about success because what is success really? And don't be hung up about making money quickly. That I think is the downfall of many many young businesses. Start something that you're passionate about and money will come. Money does come when you've got a good idea, a good following and yeah, you thought, you know, you have to have a good product, you, you know, if you haven't got a good product, you And you I mean, believe that. Because I believe I that. I believe that I believe and that. I and I
0: think where do you think that this hurry
1: has come from? Where do you think that this... um... Society. I mean, peer pressure. You know, everybody wants to be the next Facebook. I mean, let's face it. All the startups that we see, especially in technology, want to be the next Instagram. That's what it's about. If we look statistically, and I do read a lot about these things, you know, most fail. And because what they do is they take funding. They all need incredible offices like a Google, right? With a pool table and everything else. They all Uber it. They all have parties. Well... Where 's all that money coming from? I have to tell you, I spent very little on apology guides. I bootstrap it because I wanted to succeed. Yes, I could sort of on the account do this, do that, and the other, but I just don 't believe that 's how it 's sustainable. You have to be sustainable so Recently, I've landed distribution for the US, so that hasn't started yet. Wow! But so you can grow and you can expand in different ways. But I think my message to young founders are to think about how you can grow slowly and sustainably. I think that's really, really important. Tell me, you're a fan of Seth Godin and you talk a lot about
0: him. I know we're both huge fans. Don't you have a very good Seth story that you could share?
1: I, I do, so I've been following for years. So I literally spent two or three hours composing an email to him, which literally was three lines because I know he's about brevity. <laughs> so it hour, took me... An hour per line. <laughs> an hour per line. Because I had studied him and his yeah. books and everything else, oh. I, I just... I mean, I am in awe of you writing to him. I Honestly, I just, I, I just thought, I've got nothing to lose. It's chutzpah. I know that, but I'm going to do it. So anyway... And then you think, you know, somebody like him, he will either not respond or respond in maybe two weeks time or you'll get some PA to say thank you, but no thank you or he's not available or something like that. And I remember I was going for a long walk in a park and I looked at my mobile and he responded within 10 minutes. (gasps) My gosh. And I loved that about him. And he responded and he goes, what a neat idea. Send me your favorite one. And then, I don't know, a week or two later, actually on my birthday, actually everything went wrong on my birthday and I was actually crying for whatever reason. And my phone went, hi, it's Seth Godin. Honestly. Oh
0: my God, on your
1: birthday. But i had just been crying. (laughs) I'd not been working. The universe was giving you a birthday present. And I was speechless. I started stuttering and I was just so taken aback that it just took me, a few seconds to sort of compose myself and he said first of all he said I have to congratulate you he said great concept great execution love everything about it and he went have you sold 20,000 I said Seth no I've just started no I haven't he goes well I can't write anything until you sell 20,000 but you know he was he just spent 20 minutes giving me feedback giving me advice talking wow. to me about it. I can't tell you at that stage when you begin, you know, when you start something like that and you have like one of your heroes phone you on your mobile, that was a huge, huge boost to myself, huge. What a story. And for all of us, we need to just
0: take in, anyone can just say no, and that's the worst that's going to happen. So who are our heroes? We can spend an hour per line on the email
1: with permission, with permission, and send it out to somebody. Yeah, I just, my message to everybody is, look, this is not a reflection on you if they don't contact you back or they don't, it's not, be, It's they might not have got it. They might not let strangers contact them. They might be busy. They but might. You've got to go for it. You've got to go for it and you've got to just keep going for it.
0: This week, we have a very special ad break, which was recorded live at Conversations of Inspiration in Bristol. At each event, NatWest brings their ad break to life, and you're in with a chance to share your ad break live with the audience, as well as a chance to win the ad break spot on this very podcast. So if you're coming to Manchester or any of our other events, you are in with a chance. So congratulations to this week's winner, the Beeswax Rap Company. Over to you. I'm Fran from the beeswax wrap company and we hand make beautiful beeswax wraps to replace horrible cling film. So we've estimated that a family of four will use over 500 metres of cling film a year wrapping their sandwiches every day with four of our gorgeous medium beeswax wraps. You can completely eliminate that. So we support our local beekeepers. All of our beeswax is from the UK and we employ 10 wonderful women from our local community. We're stocked in Oxfam. We're stocked in over... I think a thousand independents now in the UK and that's about it from what I can think in my head but yeah beeswaxwraps.co.uk and mm-hmm. on Instagram beeswaxwraps_uk. follow us it's just me and Carly two women hanging out making some cool stuff nice thank you Woo. If you'd like to take NatWest up on their generosity and be listened to by thousands of people, take that leap of faith and send in your small business advert to independentadbreaks at holly.co. We're looking for the wonderful stories that only small businesses can tell and have created more information on exactly what we're looking for on our website holly.co. What have you got to lose? Get recording. I can't wait to have a listen. Now back to Conversations of Inspiration. And you, like me, believe everyone should
1: have now what we call, you know, it's got a term, side hustle. I started my apology as a side hustle, no doubt about it. But it then became more of the business but it just took a bit of time things take time I like doing things a bit organically I just have time mm-hmm. I'm turning 55 in August I'm starting the second half of my life I've got time well mm-hmm. I'm not competing with anyone and I'm not looking to make millions and trillions you know if that would happen that would be the sideline that's fine uh, you know people sometimes say to me well, you know what's your exit strategy you know what am I going to sell to Penguin in 10 years time Who knows? Right now, I love it. I can't imagine not doing them. I want to be the next, you know, ladybird books for the 21st century. I've got 500 titles or or themes in my head, I just need time and finances To to do them. I'm passionate about it. I, I don't want an exit strategy. What is an exit strategy? I'm sorry, I, just, I, I don't understand that. I know you know what yeah. it means,
0: but I'm saying an exit strategy here is the fact that we've learned, you know, there's some t- how there is, and I talk about it often, this sort of golden rainbow, and then you'll have this pot and then everything in your life will be brilliant because you're going to sell for millions and do you know what I mean? Not have to work again. And actually the point is, is that um, an exit strategy from anyone I know who has exited Is basically uh, the beginning of a very bad spell of your life for the fact that actually for you, for me, you know, the DNA has come from you, you've brought it up, it is you, you've been defined by it. So exiting is not this a glamorous word. And so, so many of the businesses that we talk about in terms of the good life, and we're going to talk about that, is this point, like you've said, which is this is me, this is who I am. The good life will provide for me during this thing. Maybe I'm going to have some treats along the way. And isn't that nice because of all of my hard work. But also at the age of 55 or going to be 55, you've realised that actually, uh, I remember that um, Chrissy Rucker said it from the White Company. She said, you know, Allow the tortoise to win the race, you know, because actually it was such a beautiful moment because I'm always in a hurry. (laughs) (laughs) But I am actually realising now that I have to allow time to influence what's going on in our business and in my life. Time is a great interject. It does things that you could never plan. You
1: can never plan. For me, time is everything. And I believe I like quite solitude and time to hear myself think and the reason for that is because it's like an incubator time everything needs time to really grow to really flourish to really blossom and everybody's in such a rush I I talk about this a lot to rush to go where we all go to the same destination we know that right it's actually in the here and now everything I do is in the here and now I enjoy every moment Mm. because I'm aware of it and mm-hmm. so I don't really want to talk about tomorrow. We can talk about tomorrow, sure. And I need deadlines, and I, you know, for my business and everything else. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't live in in mm-hmm. either the past or, or the future. I live in the present moment, and that's I think why I enjoy my life. I I love sitting here looking at you. I love being in this space. I'm aware that I'm sitting here. I'm having a great chat. I'm not nervous anymore. Thank you for that. And life is beautiful, and isn't, that's what isn't makes it me happy about. Ten minutes ago,
0: I sat looking at you and I do sit in the present moment because I just thought I am so fortunate to have not met you in person and now get to hear you talking to me. And I think, you know, if anyone else can try and live right now, it has been one of the most glorious realizations of my life. It gives
1: us really a sense of purpose, a sense of life, a sense of gratitude. Yeah. All that that actually yeah. money can't buy.
0: Now, one of the things I wanted to also touch on is one of our missions is to help businesses do what they love. To I mentioned to build this good life company made up of passion and purpose and where your happiness is basically what you were talking about. What is success? Well, I believe success is your happiness in, you know on this planet and the time that we have. And a good life company for me is being good, feeling good and doing good. You know, where you find your diamond, your passion, and you use it to be good, founding a business from your talents. And then you feel good as you run your business while balancing your life. And that could be making your child's sports day, or you're able to balance a yoga class into your working day, or you're working with a family member. And your good life helps you feel alive and connected. And then finally, you can take all of that And how can this be possible? You can do good where you have a mission and you'll make your mark on the world using your small business to make this a better place. I'd say you're definitely a good life business. Do you have any good life goals?
1: I was very clear when I started my apology guides that it's going to be about self-help. Uh, it's really about help empowering people to help themselves through, uh, you know, maybe mindfulness, um, self-development. And I'm really a believer that we can move from a space of feeling awful, like I have felt, we know, at 26 and four years after that, to maybe how I feel now. It is possible. I'm the living proof, right? So I'm very much an encourager of that. So for me to do good, and if we look at the world and what's coming, you know, what's happening at the moment, and and we're all sort of devastated, whether it's environmentally or politically. So for me, doing good is, for instance, who I partner with or what kind of themes I do. So for me, working from home, I've now realized I, I, I would like my apology guides to be a bigger thing, but not a bigger in terms of more people, more money, more everything. I want more people to have access to them. Right before me and Mike started, we were talking about, wouldn't it be great to have a sponsored myopology guide in, you know, a football match in one of the magazines. I've never been to a football match. I mean, I'd like to go one day, but I just haven't. One of those magazines, you know, and blokes about, you know, going to the doctor maybe or testing yourself for prostate cancer. You know, wouldn't that be great? People that wouldn't go to a shop, mm-hmm. they wouldn't come to Holly & yeah. They wouldn't go to Papersmith. Mm-hmm. But actually, give them a chance to learn something different or be inspired or whatever that is really the bigger mission of mappology guide so mm-hmm. right now, another arm of Mapology Guide is to partner with businesses and organizations and do bespoke mapology guides for them because it 's a great concept, a great format, and it works well. So the first one we did with in, co- in collaboration with the NHS. Uh, England is on the art of co-production which is sort of a big buzzword in in the health industry to work with different community members and maybe people from the NHS and co-produce something but of course you have different power levels it's just very complex and and people struggle with it. So we did this art of co-production map, Incredible. which was all about um, a, an artist studio w- where you'll find lots of people, lots of different artists with different disciplines coming together. It's messy, it's difficult, but it's exhilarating and all of that. But so 10,000 have been printed. Uh, a lot of them has nearly gone. They've been given to a lot of charities, a lot of communities you know wherever they've gone and people have you know written into not me but the clients saying this is incredible we're going to use it for debates we're going to use it for this so I know the power of a mapology guide Mm. so personally I'm interested uh, in subjects like talk about money I think the younger generation needs to talk about money saving I am fascinated and want to help in the sort of suicide prevention so these are topics that are mm. close to my heart and mm. I'm just looking for partners mm. to do those and 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 sort of and help get people it out and get it amplify out it. there it. yeah and amplify yeah. it that's that's Gosh. what it is
0: and for someone who is so knowledgeable and empathetic to the struggles with mental health how do you look after your mental health now whilst Growing mapology what advice would you give to anyone who may be feeling a little burnt out from doing this whole you know running your own business, being the person that 's got to have everything on their own shoulders, maybe struggling
1: what What do you do to look after your mental health now you know i 've had many years of doing this i 'm also not married and don 't have kids. I want to say that, so it 's easier for me to cover time, obviously, you know mothers that adults are also working mothers it 's much harder. Uh, but I've been practicing this for many, many years, hence why I work from home. Because I have certain needs that I you know, I eat in a certain way, I want to move, uh, exercise in a certain way, I want to have time to think, I want to be inspired. I need to be inspired every day. And I've noticed the days when I'm down, I'm not doing well, it's because I didn't carve out time to get inspired. It's really important to me. But, you know, I do the usual thing. I, I believe very much in eating um well for 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 mental health that's a big big part of my life and when i don't do it i actually feel it i believe in being in nature i believe in uh going to the cinema a lot it's my one of my only escapisms i read a lot and those are the things and and just be you know i love also being on my own i just just to have time to to process and to just stop i think it's really important to just stop go mm-hmm. out for a walk just do something just don't go into that cycle because the cycles just go downward sometimes and if we don't catch it in time we it are down going it down. keeps down and i'm highly highly aware of these things and then sometimes i just ride that wave so mm-hmm. just ride it because everything that goes up needs to come down Don't overanalyze, don't do anything, just go for a walk, do something else, read something. I listen to podcasts, you know, I find them inspirational, I find them soothing.
0: I think when I was most burnt out, I came across Oprah and an Oprah quotes. And it said, you can't pour from an empty cup. And that quote just stopped me in my tracks because it was at a time where being busy was a sign of success in a way. I mean, I couldn't stop it, but it was also the way I'd process that was saying well being very busy as you are have to be is very successful and I was the bottom of the list you know in terms of priority and yet the buck stopped with me so there was no way that my mental health or my health could even get on the list let alone being prioritized and hearing Oprah say that quote gave me such permission so now I do make sure that you know these little things as you said everyone just it's only three or four five things that you can do mine is walking in nature walking Mr Mudley listening to podcasts snuggling up with netflix with harry taking time with my founders and we pop into london and we need to get inspiration. Yes. You know, we're feeling dry yes. and and, and grey. And we call them our smug days, uh, where we allow ourselves to that. switch off, recharge our inspiration and be smug for the day, having a lovely time. But and I hope
1: you don't feel guilty. Because I don't feel, feel guilty. guilty. No, I don't, I don't now. Yeah. But we
0: called it smug days because actually it was born out of a t- you know a period of time where you go, what a treat, what a treat oh, we're skiving, what are we doing? So we called them smug days, and we have smug Saturdays, and I highly recommend it for anyone, but not to feel the the guilt or anything like that, but you just, you know, we always have to brand up everything, even our days. But that's
1: such a wonderful (laughs) word, and you know, I think it was 1992, I read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and had a huge impact on me. Not only did I do the morning pages, but I took Tina on a date. And so that started off something completely new for me. And I have many Tina dates. I go into my Vespa. I go into central London. I have no plan. I don't care what time it is. And I just get led by whatever. And those are the days that form me into who I am. And I know people will say, but you're running a business. Like, shouldn't be phoning some stockist or shouldn't you be doing that? Well, no, not on that day. So if I'm not inspired, what am I going to tell you today on the Mm. podcast? Mm. I'd
0: love to ask the future of Tina. What are you going to do more to make a
1: mark on the world? (laughs) I just want to spread messages. I want people to be empowered that they can be anyone they want to be. You know, when I was younger, I used to call it, you know, to find yourself. I think it came maybe from sort of also Elizabeth Gilbert and Eat, Pray, Love, you know, sort of go away to find yourself, which obviously was fantastic. But then I realised... No, we create ourselves. We don't find you. We we're already in there. I mean, I'm not finding anything that isn't there. And of course, I'm learning every day. But isn't it great to help maybe younger people who don't have that to say? You can be your own captain of your own ship. You can create your life. You can say no. You can not take that job. Nothing will happen. The Mm. world will not go under. We need self belief. We need self confidence. We need mentors. And we need just people to, to show that it can be done. That, that's all we need, really. And so that's my biggest message is, you know, live your best life, look after yourself, stay healthy, stay curious, uh, stay foolish, as Steve Jobs says, and uh, enjoy every day and find some happiness. Mm. Well, that looks like a good future for you. I'm looking forward to it. And I shall wear purple. There's a famous uh, poem, I think, Jenny Joseph, I shall wear purple when I'm old. Yeah. And I'll be on my Vespa. Yes. Vespa in your purple leathers. Yes. (laughs) That'll be me. I end all our
0: interviews with this analogy that running your own small business is like being on this crazy, epic roller coaster or you on your Vespa in your purple leathers going up and down hills. Tell me about one of the lowest of the lows for
1: you so far. I don't have the lowest, I have to say, or low. I think, you know, I think seeing that two maps flopped uh, maybe did dent my ego a little bit, because you worked sure. so hard yeah. on this. And How could it not? Yeah, way? I, you know, it was just... But, but there's another voice in me that said, OK all right, now you understand there's a market. It's not just about you, there's a market. So it wasn't low, low, but it was just like, okay, let's go and regroup. So I always say that to people, there's no failure. There is, the word failure needs to be taken off Mm -hmm. from this earth. Yeah.
0: I hear it from entrepreneurs time and time again yes. on this podcast. This word failure needs to be banished because it is nothing. It's experimenting. Yes, exactly. Well, we can rebrand that word failure, yes. can't we, now? Yes. Tell me on the opposite on your Vespa, when you're at the top of that mountain, what has been that pinnacle moment? Well, you've taken away my Seth
1: Godin story, but... Ah, yes. The very first... I have to be honest. So, studying graphic design in Covent Garden... Uh, and being a book friend and I used to live in bookshops and foils was everything to me and then creating a product and going to foils and seeing it stocked you know it's stocked at the Tills and Charing cross road amongst so many products and there's millions of products and I will never ever come down from that it was a real moment of pride for me
0: yeah I can imagine Tell me, if I was to ask another guest onto this podcast that you know personally, who would you recommend that I interview that might inspire others?
1: So there's somebody close to my heart called Jane Hardy. She's the founder and CEO of the Blood Foundation, which is a social enterprise dedicated to helping those affected by depression. Jane lost most of her 20s to depression. She's actually got a TED Talk. She's an author. She wrote an incredible, well, two books, uh, one called The Self-Care Project. The other one was Self-Care Journal. I've actually not met Jane, but we connect on email. She has been incredibly supportive of my apology guides. They run something called The Buddy Box, which is a monthly box, like a hug in a box where they... If products. It's a surprise box, you know, one of subscription boxes, and she has put a lot of the apology guides in there, and that opened up a world to me that I wanted to get in, but I didn't know how to get in, and I'm a huge fan of what they do at the Blurt foundation and um, they do incredible work and i'm a huge fan of jane hardy i think despite her struggles um she's just created something amazing she's an amazing person and um yeah that that is my recommendation gosh
0: gosh a very good one a really good one i look forward i'm i'm going to be reaching out to her Well, Tina, I love your concept of living eulogies. I've heard you say it a couple of times now on your Instagram. And for those of you who don't know, you make a very good point that we only say the lovely things about people and your closest at funerals after they have died in their eulogy. And you encourage us to make more living eulogies. So here's a tiny little bit of mine to you. You've gone through some seriously tough times, it takes courage, it takes grit, and no one will know how dark your darkest days were. The pain you experienced and how many people can't find their way out of black holes but you found the strength to climb that ladder out of the hole and navigated your way back to happiness through building your own beautiful good life business, combining your passions with this beautifully strong purpose, a business which gives back so much to others and helps them find their right journey. And I know you inspire me, and you are going to inspire so many through all that you're giving, through all your platforms. I love your business, your maps, and you're just stunning. And I can't wait to continue following your
1: beautiful journey. You are truly remarkable, Tina. Holly, <laughs> honestly, that means so much to me. And I am, you know, very humbled by it. Thank you so, so much. Well, you isn't... can't get me to cry before I have to read a letter, but... <laughs>
0: but now it's that moment when i hand over to you where i ask you to read your letter to your younger self and i don't know what you're going to say but i want to say thank you tina before you start for sharing a little
1: piece of your soul with us today thank you tina okay hey Tinushi, i know life at home completely sucks filled with abuse pain and grief As kids, we don't yet understand that everything we go through serves as a lesson to help us build resilience. To you, it all just feels very painful and unfair. But I'm here to tell you, because no one else did, that none of this is your fault. You are a beautiful young girl with a big heart, lots of empathy and an inquisitive mind. You are just perfect as you are. I will always be in awe of you for somehow engineering to leave home and move all by yourself, at the tender age of 15, to this most incredible country, the United Kingdom, the place I've had the honour to call my physical and spiritual home for the past 40 years. Without your bravery, who knows where and how I would have ended up. Being sent to boarding school really was a blessing in disguise, right? Yeah, there were good times, bad times, actually most good times but I know how much happier it made you meeting lots of interesting kids from all over the world, forging friendships and also for the first time ever being a naughty teenager. But foremost, you felt finally seen and appreciated and started to blossom. By God, how the hell did you manage to take 10 GCSEs within the first year with very, very limited English and with rather good grades? I mean, how? Oh yes, I know with hard work and persistence. For the first time in your life, you had fire in your belly and your thirst for learning was unquenchable. So, so proud of you. I'm actually not quite sure what made you step into the art room whilst at boarding school, but boy, am I glad you did. You never really did art before. Luckily for you, and now for me, you got to meet Michael Connor, art teacher extraordinaire, who thankfully became the most important figure in your life. Mike believed in you. He didn't just teach you art. He taught you to be curious, to not take no for an answer, to stand up for yourself and to question everything. He's been massively influential in your growth and self-belief at that time. You don't know this yet but I had the good fortune to go visit him years later and thank him for being such a special human and changing our lives for the better. I'm so chuffed I did and for staying in contact with him until a couple of years before he passed away in 2014. The time has come to gently hold your hand and tell you a little bit about what you can expect from future years. Life will seem great for a while and everything will go swimmingly, Your early and mid-twenties are particularly exciting with great work opportunities, lots of travel, long-distance relationships, numerous three-star Michelin restaurants, red linen suits with shoulder-padded blazers. Oh, the glamour of it all. And a little bit too much arrogance and self-importance. You see, not having good role models growing up makes this stuff difficult to navigate. Having discovered your confidence your mojo, your power over men made you feel invincible and foremost fearless. Sadly though, kindness, gratitude and self-love were amiss. Psst, don't tell anyone, but you'll have a bloody good time with memories to last you a lifetime. And then, just as you turn 26, when things just couldn't get any better, I'm sad to tell you, your world comes crashing in. Anxiety, panic attacks, Agoraphobia and claustrophobia set in, and here your real journey to who you are begins. Many very tough years lie ahead of you. Unraveling a traumatic childhood, eating disorder, sex addiction, and much more in long-term psychotherapy is hard. The shame, the difficulty in accepting the 360 degrees turnaround will be truly unbearable. You'll feel frightened, so very alone, so utterly miserable, But you know, there is a saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and you will pull through. Can I give you a hug? I just want to reassure you that all these years working on yourself in therapy will be the best investment ever, and make you realize that we actually only have ourselves. And getting to know who you really are, and how to navigate this world with emotional intelligence, will help you so, so much you have no idea. I could go on showing you the future, but instead I want to pass on some important lessons I've learned that I hope will help you in your journey ahead. Let me tell you that, despite everything, life will be good to you and thanks to your hard work, you will age gracefully. Here goes. Care less about what others say or think. On being overweight, that just makes you cuddlier. Embrace your womanhood. Learn to say no. Be an internal student. Prevention is better than reaction. Make your life as colourful as possible. See the glass overflowing. Mindfulness is the key to so many doors. And empathy and kindness are the lifeline to every relationship. Make peace with your past so it doesn't screw up the present. Curiosity is the gateway to an exciting life. Respect the elderly. They have a lot to teach us. Beauty comes and goes. Invest in values and wisdom instead. Knowledge is power. And a woman comes into her own at 40. And finally, embrace your inner child. Oh, that's you. Mustache. Promise to speak again soon. Love you to bits. (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, I just sat there just again living in the present and listening to every single word you said and knowing how much you've been through and what you're going to give us and how you're just a very unique human being and we're going to witness something I can feel it I can feel it from you that we all need to learn from and that all your pain and everything you've been through will not be lost on us. And um, I, for one, am going to be very, very grateful for everything you produce because I've known what it's taken for you to get here. So, Tina, thank you so much for that beautiful
1: letter to self and for being here. And um, it's just a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for making me feel so welcome. And thank you for inviting me. And I'm delighted to meet you and to be part of Holly & Co. And thank you for believing in me. That really means a lot. Big kiss.
0: Thanks NatWest again for sponsoring this podcast. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering people in business. That's why they developed the NatWest Business Hub. It's full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals. Go to natwestbusinesshub.com to get started. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. I want as many people as possible to believe that they can build a business doing what they love. So could I ask a favour? If you like what you're listening to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come then bring them